So first podcast. Yeah. How do you start these if you uh, haven't already an established podcast? Uh, you know, that's a good question, but I, I think we just did. All right. Well, so, I'm, so I'm, that's how <laughs> you just uh, you start this very unceremoniously and say we're, we're going for it. That's right. So uh, what I figured we start with is uh, kind of introduce ourselves um, and you know what we do, what the point of this podcast will be. So um, I'll start real quick. I'm, I'm Aaron. I have a full time job where I'm a content creation manager and video production manager and all that good stuff. Um, I'm also a videographer and photographer on the side. I picked up photography officially, I guess, probably around 2014, maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, I want to I move into more like commercial work, product work, doing video business cards is what I call it. The, and then the point of this podcast, really, I mean, I, I've been wanting to kind of start a podcast for a while. Yeah. And uh, one thing I realized in all the ones that I listen to, I don't know if you feel the same way, but the ones that I get hooked on is usually a conversation rather than just one person talking. Yeah, no, a, a single person talking, they don't have anyone to challenge them or to have a different opinion. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it, it's boring. They they yell it, they end up yelling like a fro. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, yelling is, is his own kind of way of creating content. I guess it, I guess it works for him. And, and, uh, yeah, I'd hate to hate to diss Fro on the first one. Cause he, no, he no, taught no, me no. a lot about what I know about photography, believe it or not. <laughs> no, no diss meant it's totally, that's his thing. And he's, he's passionate. We'll say he's passionate. He doesn't yell. He has a lot of passion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I figured, you know, we kind of, get into these rhythms where we just talk about video stuff or cameras or gear for like ever. I mean, I think you'll come and drop something off of my house that I borrowed or whatever. And we just wind up talking for 20 minutes about nothing, you know, about the latest um, tech that came out. Yeah. You have to <laughs> dude. Did you see this came out? Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Did you see who did the video for it? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe it. So I, I figured a podcast, maybe some people might want to hear these things and maybe comment back and, um, you know, that sort of thing. But also I feel like between the two of us, we do some pretty different projects. Yeah. We do a lot of overlapping things too, and we've collaborated, but we might be able to actually offer some tips or some advice or like some, some good stuff to people that are listening. So I think that would be handy as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, so let me let me just go ahead and say uh, my name is Dan Hartman, and uh, my full time job is I am the director of worship and creative arts at Life Point Church in Tucson, Arizona. So if you're looking for a cool creative place to come and worship, by all means, come on down. I originally went to school uh, wanting to make movies, and then life happened, and I didn't get to finish. Uh, school the way I wanted to. Then I kind of went to work in, doing media stuff, tech stuff in church, um, a mixture of jobs doing music and, and tech and video testimonies and stuff like that. Uh, and I always loved taking pictures and I would buy a camera and I would accidentally take a good picture every once in a while and have no idea how I achieved the perfect setting on auto to get that picture. Honestly, because of my friendship with you, I was like, man, Aaron picked it up so fast and he has such fun time capturing photos. 
here I am with my dinky iPhone 4S trying to take some cool bangers for Instagram. And it's just not, it's not looking right. So I ended up buying kind of an entry level Nikon. After that, when I really got serious about taking photos on a regular basis, I bought a Canon because I prefer, uh, I prefer a lot of things about the Canon. There's, there's no data point besides they feel good in my hands. I will just say I am unapologetically a Canon fanboy. So yeah, I do that. I do uh, video stuff on the side. My my latest project was doing a ton of uh, pictures for uh, a school football team here in town where I ended up green screening them to make them look like tough football players instead of uh, 120 pound guys who are going to get knocked over by the big schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been me in high school, the 120 pound guy. <laughs> There was one kid, or I I couldn't get my my tripod low enough to be lower than him because you you want your tripod lower than the guy so it looks like they're towering over. Yeah, larger than life. Yeah, and I couldn't get my tripod low enough, so I ended up having to just like take it off the tripod (laughs) and move it lower. Felt so bad. The kid was like four foot three or something. He's uh, in seventh grade, and he's like, I love football. Well, maybe he'll, uh, I didn't really grow until he had my sophomore year. So I'm here's, here's a hope that he hits a similar growth spurt and he winds up being like six, five and yeah. two forty. you know, he's like crazy linebacker in the NFL. Next thing you know, it's very possible, but I feel like if you were going to be a, a, a linebacker, if you had the talent to be a linebacker, at least you wouldn't be going to a two, a Christian school in North Northwest uh, Tucson. I guess maybe we won't mention where it is. So he's <laughs> left anonymous a little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I, I kind of remember. So I remember some of your beginnings, and I remember that first Nikon that you had too. Yeah, we, when we went to camp that one year. Uh, yep. Sounds like we were boys, but we were we were leading uh, worship at a camp. Yeah. In, in Prescott Pines, and I thought. Well, I'm going to be rooming with Aaron. This is a good chance for to for me to trick him into teaching me everything he knows. And the joke was on you because it wasn't much. <laughs> <laughs> no, the joke was on me because uh, at every turn you're like, oh, I guess you can't do it with this camera. Oh, I guess you can't do it with this camera. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to take cool star photos at night. You're like, oh, no, it, it doesn't go that high. Like you can't take an sh- open shutter that long unless you have a remote. Oh, and I'm like... Oh man, this camera sucks. So Jeez. I actually gave that camera to Brian Lee uh, because his uh, daughter wanted to take photos, and so it's being used even now. So well, that's good. Yeah, you know that's one thing I think we. Well, you mentioned it, but I failed to. Was that on top of you know us being interested in video and photo and everything? We're actually both musicians as well. Um, yeah. I've been well. You're a musician. I'm a drummer. <laughs> I'll clarify that. Oh, that's so good. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been, I've been drumming for about 25 years now, which is nuts to think about. Um, how, wh- what did you start on? How long have you been a musician? So, um, I took piano lessons when I was a kid and I hated it. Um, it ended up being a great thing because, uh, it was called the Suzuki method. And, and what they did was they taught you how to play by listening and so it made my ear really good for like learning how to figure out songs and stuff later on in life. But I never learned how to read music. And then um, that piano teacher died and uh, <laughs> I got a new teacher and she's like, yeah, the hearing method's stupid. You need to know how to read. And I was <laughs> like, oh, but I'm used to this other way. So I would trick my sister into because she could read music. 
playing it for me and I would listen to it and then I could play it right after her. And then my sister, who was upset that I was getting, uh, you know, good grades or whatever in, in piano lessons, finally told the teacher what, what the deal was. Oh, yeah, he's making me play it for him and then he's learning it by <laughs> ear. So one day I went to piano lessons and the teacher just pointed to the middle of the page and said, play it from right there. And I just went, uh oh, <laughs> and, and that was my last piano lesson. So that <laughs> that was somewhere around twelve, uh, and I was always like really into singing, and I was in like the church choir and stuff like that, and the plays, uh, Christmas plays that they make kids do for some reason because uh, they want to make sure the adults have a bad time. So then my dad really wanted to learn how to play guitar, and so for his fortieth birthday, when I was fifteen, he was. Uh, he bought a guitar, a Fender black acoustic guitar, and he played it exactly two times. And I got the chord book out of there, out of his case and the guitar, and I played it every day forever. I can tell that guitar got stolen, I think, out of the back of my car. No, oh, man. I played it like every day. And, Welcome uh, to Tucson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stolen out of the back of your car while you went inside to get some chicken wings somewhere. But yeah, that's that's how I get started. And I, I had some, uh, you know, our friend Scott, who we used to work at Apple with. He was a, a yep. mentor and, and learning guitar and singing. And and uh, yeah, I was in different bands from then on and uh, learned how to play bass a little bit. I ended up working in a music store, so I, I play a little bit of drums. Uh, uh, I'm not good at it. I'm not, I don't have enough emotional problems to be good at drums, but, um, Oh, that's uh, why I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry in advance to all the drummers out there. Uh, <laughs> even though I am one, both Dan and I will rip on drummers. Yeah. The drummer jokes are so good. <laughs> it's, it's just an easy target. I've learned to live with it. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I got into being a musician and, and it all started from, me seeing some cool kids playing at church, and I asked my youth pastor if I could come up and and play with those cool kids. And and like an idiot, he said yes, and uh, he didn't <laughs> even know how bad I was yet. And so uh, that's that's how I got my my start in being a musician. And man, it's it's one of my favorite things. I I love playing guitar. I love uh, playing piano from time to time. Um, every once in a while I get the opportunity to slap a bass, but, uh, very rarely, oh, I never get asked to play the drums, but very rarely is there occasion for me to play drums, which is probably good because <laughs> I'm not as thorough and excellent as, as you are. Well, yeah, that's out for review still. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not, it's, it's pretty standard. Everyone, everyone's like, oh no, I hit things with sticks and Aaron's a drummer. That's, that's, that's pretty common <laughs> perception amongst other drummers. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, maybe it's a good thing that I didn't. I mean, I, I dabble in guitar, piano. I, I have two guitars. I have an acoustic and electric here, which I, I don't play nearly enough. But I learned Blackbird by the Beatles the other day. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, so I, I really kind of devoted everything into drums. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's there's your savants, like, you know, your Micah Sal Saldivars, if he's yeah. listening. Hey, buddy. Um, that are just good at everything that they touch, mm -hmm. uh, whatever instrument it is. And then there's, you know, those that do better focusing on one. And, um, I, I'm, have no qualms about focusing on drums. I, I, I love playing. Yeah. So, 
Well, don't don't cut yourself short. You do know the office theme on piano, and I believe Jimmy World's on a Sunday. Uh, Yep, and then uh, I also know that on the little set of bells that I have, too, so it works. Oh, that's great. See? (laughs) If you could learn some Christmas carols, I can keep you busy in December. All right. (laughs) Keep me off off a cajon. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk about gear that we're currently using. Um, so tell, sure. tell us about what, what, what do you shoot with for, for photos? Uh, and then what do you shoot with for video? So I, I'm in kind of a unique situation. I, um, for the company I work for, which is Magmod, I didn't mention that earlier. Uh, I get to do video and photo stuff there. So I, I use kind of a blend of the two between my personal gear and then work gear, depending on what project I'm working on. Um, I also am fortunate to know someone who I'll mentioned later that has <laughs> also has some awesome equipment. Um, so I, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to use a lot of different things, but personally I, I still own the Canon 5d Mark IV. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really considered dumping that for the EOS R primarily because the, I do think the image quality, the sensor on the EOS R is a little bit better, even though it's supposed to be the same or in the same family. Uh, the video stuff is definitely better than oh, the yeah. 5D4. The only issue I ran into is when I shoot weddings, it's a single card slot. And I've never lost data because of a corrupted card, you know, knock on wood. Um, but I, I would still worry about it. So yeah. I have borrowed EOSRs before as like a second. I've used them as a second camera when I've shot but not weddings. not your main rig. Yeah, the 5D4, uh, that's the thing about the Canon 5 series. And I'm sure, you know, Nikon with their their D750s or their D5s, whatever. And same with some of the Sony high-end cameras. Like, they're just workhorses, you know. They really go through a lot. They, they're they reliable. Um, so I've stuck with the 5D4 because it's just been, you know, reliable for me. For for video stuff, it, it works and I, I can you know, get what I need with it. And I actually have shot a lot of weddings, photo and video with that 5D4, but. And you do have the, uh, the C-Log update upgrade for that uh, one. Of course. Machine. Yeah. Yeah. So I got C-Log upgrade. Uh, I use the USR a lot for work stuff. I, I think, you know, it got a bad rap kind of out of the gate, but man, hooking it up to an Atomos external recorder, it's kind of like bit, a mini C two hundred when you do that. It, I mean, it is minus the dynamic range, of course. Yeah, yeah, but it. I mean, the image looks really, really sharp out of that, and yeah, I'm pretty impressed with it. Yep. So I've shot. I've shot with that with that a lot. Also, the we have a C two hundred at work as well that I use a lot. Um, I love shooting raw on that thing. Just not because of the file sizes; those are terrible, but the the color grading raw is just so much fun to play around with. You know, what's funny is that we have. We have two of them here at the church that I use, and I've not once shot in raw yet. And you have cards for it too. I do have cards. They're 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 whatever because we bought them used. Someone's like, "Hey, we include the cards," and it's like some no name brand like Joe Blow's Seafast uh, card, totally reliable. Uh, well, just don't don't shoot anything you need to worry about. Just do yeah, no, for I'm fun not gonna go. I'm not gonna go shoot in a wedding with it, but maybe I'll I'll drive it up to Mount Lemon and and get some shots up there or something like yeah. that. Dude, like in the next week or two as well when the leaves start changing. Mm. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> so what do you so, use uh, for lighting your subjects? Uh, you do weddings, and I know that you oh. work for a company called MagMod, which makes uh, flash <laughs> accessories. Um, so what yep, do you use not, to light your subjects? This is not sponsored, obviously, because it's we not just sponsored, started. But I, I got to tell you, we, we do love us some MagMod up in this podcast. We do. It is true. 
Um, I, I would say that I'm biased because I work there, but I actually was using MagMod long before I started there. Trevor Crosby kind of introduced me to it. Um, yeah, so I, gosh, man, lighting, it really depends on what, when, and where, but weddings is usually off-camera flash for photography. It just makes more sense than yeah. constant lights. So I just use the Godox system or, well, I got, I got the Flashpoint branded stuff from Adorama, but use the Flashpoint gear and I have literally every MagMod <laughs> piece that is made times, I mean, depending on how many flashes I have, I have like six grips cause I have several flashes. I've, I've got a boatload of stuff. I only have one mag box though. I have not purchased a second one. I myself have two mag boxes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know you do. I know you do. Uh, I use two of them for my, my drum video. We had a four right. point light. That's right. So I borrowed two of those. And then we used another modifier that will not be named. Correct. It was a very cheap, large Amazon softbox. And it did what it needed to do. That's right. And that's only, honestly, if we had a fourth magbox, I would have just used that. Oh, yeah, of course. But, so, yeah, that's that's what I use. And then as far as video goes, I just, I'm using the Godox SL60s. Um, but I, I, I've been struggling lately with liking them. They, they just are very cool, um, which I actually thought the aperture lights were a little bit cooler. But I, I looked back at them and they're actually a smidge warmer. So they actually are, are closer to actual daylight because um, I can tell the difference when I have daylight coming in one side and I use a Godox on the other side. Oh, the Godox yeah. light is always cooler. Yeah, you can't put your white balance to 5600 and expect it to be to work. No. No, I found, I found, that, I found trip, that out when we were doing uh, filming stuff during COVID and we'd film next to a window and I'd have two of those SL60s and then out outdoor light. And I'm like, why is my white balance all weird? And they're, they're slightly, um, mag- well, actually, is a magenta or green? I can't remember which way it shifts now. Uh, either way. They work, they work for what I'm doing. Um, for the price of them, you can't beat the price and what they do. And I haven't had one fail on me. So no, I'm, I'm totally fine with them. I had one fail on me cause I dropped it. Um, it was, well, on, it was on top of a stand and it went, <laughs> it, it fell down, go boom. And, uh, it was within the return period and I got swapped out for a good one. Um, <laughs> for something that was not their fault. It wasn't, but it had no dings on it. I'm like, Hey, this thing's blinking, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazon was really good about it. Oh, that's good. So, so yeah, that's what I shoot with. So let's, uh, I think you might have a laundry list more of things, but <laughs> what, uh, what do you got? Yeah. So, um, I started with a, a Canon 80D and I had that for a while. And then I, I quickly, after kind of learning a lot about the 80D and shooting with it, um, realized some limitations with it, obviously, but um, I was making a lot of videos with it and getting a lot of video work with it. And then I wanted to kind of up the game and the 5D4 had come out. And uh, I remember telling you, hey, I'm thinking about the 5D4. And you looked at me like, dude, didn't you just start photography yesterday? You, you <laughs> douche. And, and it just so happened I just I was getting jobs doing doing stuff with it. So I picked one up and um, yeah, just I, I immediately got. Uh, called to do to go on a like a humanitarian trip uh, to to Mexico where we were providing medical assistance to people in need mm-hmm. and I was able to do both video and photos with it which was exactly what what I needed and so I've put that thing through its paces in the, the several years that I've owned it I ended up selling 
Um, the ADD, I got I got some good money for it because uh, and I was able to teach my daughter photography on that camera. That's cool. And, and then right around this past Christmas, B&H had this crazy sale on EOS R's. I think they were like $1,100, $1,200. <laughs> and I just couldn't resist the option to for what it could do video-wise. I was really excited about mirrorless and some of the lenses that were going to come out. And, and you know, we didn't really know at that time how quickly we were going to get an R5 or an R6. So anyway, I ended up doing it because it was the right price. And, and I had a couple of jobs coming up. I knew I could pay for it pretty quickly with. So, yeah, I have an USR, which I use a lot. And uh, this is going to shock you. Those football photos that I did for the football team almost exclusively shot on the USR, with exception of, uh, I think, the group shots I shot with a 5D. That's not that's not shocking. Why would that be shocking? <laughs> well, because it only has memory card, one memory card, so it's a little yeah, stressful. <laughs> I mean, something like that. So a wedding, you're not going to recreate an entire wedding day. But if if for some reason there was a catastrophic failure and those photos were gone, you could in oh, theory yeah, I go could back get to the, them. I and could just, get the football team back together yeah. again and be like, hey, yeah, guys. you could redo that. Remember how painful that one night is where we took like 500 photos? Let's do that again. So, it builds character. It does. It does. <laughs> So also I was going to, I was going to interject. I remember that ADD fondly, by the way, we, we shot a wedding on that. It was our first wedding we shot together. That's right. It was, uh, Micah's, uh, sister. That's right. So, and I remember it didn't have log, but looking at the image straight out of the ADD and the log image out of the 5d4, and I think it was the angle and the lighting too, but I really liked the image the ADD put out. No, it, it was not a bad camera as far as video goes. It's just once... Once I got the 5D, it was just hard. I found myself never taking pictures with the ADD ever. Yeah. And then knowing that I wanted uh, my daughter to learn photography, I held on to it. And then when she um, started just stealing my 5D4 when she needed to do stuff, I, I thought, well, I should sell this and get something else. And it just coincided yep. with the right price on a Canon EOS R. So I have uh, I have also followed your lead into uh, MagMod and off-camera flash and everything I know about off-camera flash and diffusion is stuff I've learned from you and uh, so I have yeah an eighty two hundred I have the um, oh what's the Adorama brand that is 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 Godox but not Godox is Profoto Flashpoint Flashpoint yeah 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 no no Profoto is. Thousand plus per light. I'm, yeah. I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, but I always want to say that um, anyway. Right. So yeah, I have the Flashpoint stuff. Um, I have four of them, and then an 8200. And the 8200 I almost always use for my key light. It's just, it's really awesome. And then I have an assortment of audio stuff too. I have hundreds of mics. I have PA systems. I do corporate events, weddings. I DJ. Um, all that kind of stuff. So I'm an audio nerd too, and I have a lot of recording. In fact, uh, earlier today, Aaron and I were talking about how we needed to step up his mic game, and and I think I hurt your feelings because <laughs> you're like, "This is a good mic. I spent good money on this." I, th- I thought it was okay. <laughs> no, it is. It is good for certain applications, but you know, when you got the SM7B here, I just I just want your voice to sound delicious too. Well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get this podcast popping, and then. <laughs> and then I'll upgrade. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe by then we can do this stuff in person too. And just to cast a quick image of what we're doing here. So I'm sitting at home, Dan's at his church, um, in his office and we're actually on FaceTime recording this because we figured it's the best way for us to do it in the most convenient time, most convenient fashion. And then we're just each recording our audio on our own and just going to put it together later. Yeah. We don't have to be in person. Exactly. And, and, uh, it allows Aaron to be home for dinner and, uh, put his t- sweet daughter to bed and yep and uh yeah i'm all for it so yeah you got i, I was gonna add to you said you were you do audio stuff and djs and all that dan was actually the dj at my and me and my wife's wedding and uh, still to this day i thought you were gonna say a my lot first of, wife's wedding <laughs> no 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 uh only first and only the first mrs uh, tremblay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just think of the uh, that thing in the office where they're talking. Dwight was trying to scare the people out of going to Florida, and he's like, "I'm gonna make you the seventh Miss Goldstein." No, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so so Dan was a DJ at, at me and Josie's wedding. Uh, still to this days, uh, friends of ours tell us what like when it comes up in conversation or whatever that is still like the most fun wedding they've ever been at. It really and was, I, dude. It really I, I attribute was. a lot of that to the people that really helped us put that all together. And obviously a big part of that was Dan as well for like the dance party and Josh, Josh Dalton helped on that as well. So, well, uh, so, you know, uh, Josh, I, I FaceTime with Josh earlier today, uh, actually mm-hmm. from, from this very location and mm-hmm. he, he does miss doing weddings, but we remember your wedding very fondly. Um, but here's a story that came up that I, I didn't want to put on our list, our production list. Cause I, I'd, I'd love to get your uh, on the spot reaction. Okay. Uh, so do you remember the boy's wedding? The boy's wedding? Yeah. I, so I do. And as much as I photographed it. Yeah. So we love the voices, uh, so much, uh, Danny and Frankie Boyce now live in, uh, Kentucky, but they had a, a really fun wedding and I've never, I don't know if I've ever worked with a more mellow bride in my life. But I remember the, the, my favorite part of that wedding was Aaron's taking photos. He's got these beautiful bridesmaids up against a wall. <laughs> with some like, it looks like a castle because it's like rounded and it's like, yep. it's like some stone. And then there's these like tall, narrow windows. And I'm inside getting ready to change. And I see Aaron lining these people up. So I just step right up to the window and Aaron doesn't see me. Aaron snaps like some photos. I stay creepily in the window. And then as Aaron's walking away, I'm like, you know, if I'm in every single one of those, Aaron's going to be ticked. So I stop you and I go, hey, man, can I see your camera for a second? And you look at me like, no. And I'm like, I just want to see the last photos you took. And you're like, why? I just remember you looking at me like, you idiot, don't mess with me. And, uh, and, and so... I, I, you pull one up and I zoom in on me in the window and you go, dude, you ruined it. (laughs) And, and then you said it loud enough that the bride heard. And then she comes over and she's like, what? And you show her and she goes, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And she loved it. She's, I, I send it to them every year on their anniversary and tell them congratulations. And I was glad to be a creepy part of their, their special day. And, um, any other bride I think would have been like, dude, 
what on earth were you thinking? But uh, not not old Frankie Boyce. She she loved it and thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I do remember that. And what's funny enough about it is because of the way the windows were, it was bright outside. You could even as you stepped right up against it, you could barely see you. So looking through, you know, and I had the entire bridal party. I was doing like not wides, but like I was getting all of them in the, in the image. So seeing just your face at like 40% opacity in that window <laughs> would have been too hard in my viewfinder. Yeah, I didn't even see you. I didn't even see you there at, during the photo. So Josh texted me Sunday and he said, hey, can you send me that picture? I'm, I'm uh, you know, Christine and I are having dinner with a photographer, a wedding photographer, and I want to show her the photo and see if she can find it. Most people, I'll hold up the photo on my phone and I'll be like, tell me when you see it. And they're like, when I see what? And I go, just investigate. <laughs> and usually I have to show them. They can't find it. Yeah. Well, apparently this yeah. photographer found it right away. And, and oh, well. so, but she loved it. She thought it was hilarious. And, and he told the story behind it, that the bride was cool with it. And, and she also reiterated that not every bride would be cool with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> not. We'll, maybe we'll post, uh, we'll post a picture on our Instagram so you can see yeah. and you can find creepy Dan hiding in the window. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's great. I was say the second you said, uh, Instagram, I got a notification that Pete's pirate life posted a photo. <laughs> oh, I did too. And it's his good old, uh, his good old Raptor, which, uh, Dan also has a, a Raptor. Oh, I don't Not have really. a Raptor. It's just a, I have it's a, just a black F-150. I have an F-150. And it's, <laughs> it does seem like I'm copying Pete, but really it was, I was looking for a truck and that came in as a repo and my friend works at a credit union. So I got a deal on it. He says as he's wearing a James... McKinnon Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not the signature one. It, the, oh, it's not. Oh, no, no, it is. It is. It there is. is a, yeah. It's but there's not a also, signature. Let me let me move my headphone to expose the signature. So I have two. I have two of them, and and yeah. obviously, uh, one of them is not a signature one. And I always I always say it's not a signature one when I'm wearing it. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Someone will be like, "Oh, is that a Peter McKinnon hat?" I'm like, "No, it's just a normal one." And then I'll I'll scratch the side and go, "No, it's the Peter McKinnon one." <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. No shame. We're, we're also big fans of Peter McKinnon. And James Coffee. I got to say, yep. their coffee's yep. delicious. It is. Although I'm rocking a Presta right now. so I love some Presta coffee. So that, that's kind of us. Is there anything else you think we should uh, add to that? I, we'll probably reveal more things as the podcast goes on. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sure we will bring up less people that our audience doesn't know. I think mentioning all the people we're close to. Maybe we should, uh, well, we'll get better at saying a photographer we know or a person who's a musician that we know. That way it doesn't seem well, like we're telling stories with people you may not know. I think it's okay as long as we mention how we know them or why we know them or whatever. Yeah. Because if they're listening, they might they might feel a little loved well, that we're chatting about them. I always want Micah Salad Bar to feel loved. <laughs> mocha salad bar mocha salad phone. bar so uh so i have a few notes speaking okay. of you know what this podcast is going to be about we're going to talk about some gear and creators we love and just some you know ideas and topics and projects we work on we also want to have some some guests on at some point we we have some you know well a lot of friends in the industry that do all kinds of different things so we'd love to have some people on that know what they're talking about um, so that it's not just us rambling a lot of the time. We get some real good, solid knowledge as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll have some some folks on here too as guests. But I figure uh, maybe we might discuss a couple of uh, 
new cameras that have come out in the last few to several weeks. Uh, maybe we can give some of our thoughts on them. I'm down. We can call this, we can call this Gear Corner. Gear Corner. <laughs> I want to start off with, and you had kind of mentioned this earlier, so I figure we'll start here. The uh, Canon R5 and R6 cameras. Yeah. I'm going to give a real quick gut feeling on how I feel about them, having not been able to get my hands on one yet. <laughs> you mean they haven't set you on asking what your opinion is on it yet? No, the Canon has not. So if you're listening, um, I would love to test that out. <laughs> For, fortunately, I've got some friends that pre-ordered it the minute it was available and uh, sent me some raw footage. So I have been able to play around with some of the raw um, out-of-camera stuff. Not uh, 8K both, raw. Both photography and video or just just video? Just video so far. I So I'll, I'll kind of give my opinion on it, why I didn't even ask, bother to ask for any raw photo files. Essentially, so... you're not so, a photographer anymore. Is this, is this your... Yes, this I'm is your retiring from photography. <laughs> You're welcome, world. <laughs> no, I, I I know. So I I was never not happy with the images or the raw images out of the 5D4 or out of the EOS R. So yeah. based on those two cameras, having used them intimately and, and a ton, I know that the R5 is going to do fine. I've used a 5DS before that has like 50 pixels or megapixels or whatever it is. So I, I know the R5 is going to be... a a great stellar performing stills camera. I would still love to, of course, use it and get some of those for myself and test them out. I, I know the dynamic range is better. Manny Ortiz was talking about that on his YouTube video and stuff and showing those. But I want I really wanted to play around with the video. Walmart Drake was talking about it. Yeah, Walmart Drake was up, bro. I gotta talk I gotta I gotta watch that video then. Yeah, yeah. So he um went out and with his wife Diana and shot like in sunflower. Yeah, it was a field of sunflowers. And uh, yeah, he was just showing how he would underexpose shadows because of the time of day he was shooting. And normally with his Sony, he was able to bring the shadows back a lot without having just tons of noise immediately, which I totally understand. And he said with the R5, he was it was really, really catching up to his Sony images. So that's good good news. Yeah. But anyway, so my, my really quick feelings on the R5, and I've said this before, I, I think it's the best hybrid camera that is out right now. And let me quantify that. I know that might make a lot of people upset, especially if they're a Sony fanboy or something. Well, and and let's just just go on the record. We are Canon fanboys. We're not... It's true. Although, so when we talk about the newest Sony edition, I have some interesting thoughts about that as well. I'm sure you do. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm just so suckered into video gear lately. So I think the R5 is going to be an incredible hybrid system. And for me, because I'm a hybrid shooter, I do a lot of weddings, both photo and video, even though I'm, you know, trying to move out of that stuff eventually. I feel like it's the best hybrid option out there. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's the best at one or the other. I think it is more than capable of both video and photo. And it may be just as good as any other camera in photos. I know in video there's some overheating you know, qualms or whatever, which it's totally weather sealed. So I'm, and it's passive cooling. It's going to happen. I do think Canon's marketing was off the mark on that. They shouldn't have boasted about the video so much. That's a different story for a different day, but I think it's the best hybrid available right now. That's my thought on it. Yeah. I think, 
I think part of the mistake is that we want uh, we want one tool for for every job, right? It's like yep. if a hammer could, you know, frame your house together and also <laughs> lay tile and do plumbing, uh, it would be a weird hammer. And so when you want to do both photo and video, there's some sacrifices you have to make. And I feel like this is perfect for like wedding videography and photography. It's like short bursts, not a lot of like super long moments where you have the opportunity to overheat. It's perfect for someone like uh, Peter McKinnon where he's he's vlogging with it. And then there's these short bursts of, you know, 120 uh, frames per second type of stuff. Right. He knows how to to work it so that it it works in his work workflow in, in that way. Um, totally. But if you're if you're if you're a documentary shooter or something like that, or um, some of the stuff that I've done in churches where you have to record 30, 40 minutes at a time, uh, or an hour sessions at a time, it's probably not your guy. You're trying to you're trying to have a tool to do everything and and really. You know, what you're going to want in that that case is probably a cinema camera or something something similar. Yeah, yeah, a dedicated video camera. Yeah, and even even in that. So having filmed a lot of weddings um, and you know assisted filming a lot of weddings, what I would use it for, like I, I don't think I, I ever go more than maybe ten to twenty second bursts when I'm doing high frame rate stuff. Yeah. And that's just because you're you're getting detail shots, you're getting very specific shots. And at 120 frames per second, when you're slowing it down, you know, to 20% to get that 24 frame timeline, I mean, <laughs> what 10 seconds slowed down to 20%, what is that? Five, that's 50 seconds of audio, of video. Yeah. You know, and you're not, nobody's going to sit through 50 seconds. No, of no one's going to watch U- Uncle Bob walk in with his iPad to take photos in the slow mo. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, gosh, what's that? Reservoir dogs. You're not going to oh. watch a slow mo <laughs> reservoir dogs type walk in uh, for for just Uncle Bob at a wedding. That's going to get boring. They're going to be like, um, "Excuse me, um, the bride, <laughs> focus on her, yeah. please." Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Uh, so yeah, it's very so violent. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But yeah, so speaking as a wedding, and so 100. This is all talking from the bench because I haven't gotten to use the camera yet. Yeah. However, the guy that sent me the footage to take a look at, which is Carl Miller, uh, who I shoot a lot of weddings for. Hot Carl, um, he likes to be called. Yep. Yeah, right. Uh, he's used it, and he's he is the definition of a hybrid shooter. You know, with his company, he offers photo and video for weddings. So I feel like that's the ideal situation. Now, he does own, you know, C100, C200s. Um, he has dedicated video cameras for long-form stuff, but... yeah. Man, if you want two bodies slung on your side, if you're doing video and photo at the same time, like get two of those bad boys and I think you're set. Yeah. No, I there's no question it's a good camera. I think you were right, and I think even Jesse Driftwood said this on his one of his videos that the marketing was just garbage. They they tried to market it like it was gonna replace one of like the C three hundred that they had just right. Mark II that they just released or the C five hundred. It's just like it doesn't do those things as well as the big big guys do, but it does short bursts of it pretty excellently. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and Carl's even, the perfect perfect uh, demographic for that exact body because of what he does: weddings, shooting both video and photo. It's the perfect guy oh, yeah. for that. And I, I'd like to have him on a future podcast. Maybe we can get his direct hands-on opinion on that. 
Yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah. So overall, I mean, that's that's where I stand on it. I, I feel like you probably have similar thought, but you also have cinema cameras at your disposal. Um, <laughs> so if you were to upgrade or are you thinking about upgrading from your EOS R to one of those to the R5 or the R6? You know what's funny, dude? I think if you asked me a month ago, you know, right after I think Peter posted those couple of videos, even the one after mm-hmm. where he's like, yeah, let's be honest, there's some uh, overheating issues. Uh, I probably would have still said yes, but I think, dude, what I have right now really works with my workflow. And and my reason for wanting to purchase something else is just because I want to have the latest, greatest stuff. Yes. I, yeah, exactly, dude. Gear acquisition acquisition syndrome is real. Um, not just for this. Like I had it when I, you know, was acquiring stuff at the music store, whether it be guitars or microphones or PA stuff or recording gear or um, like the only reason I own a drum set is because I wanted to be able to have uh, every instrument in a band and record it myself so I didn't need other people. And I'm like, why do I own a drum set still? I haven't <laughs> played it in years. So it, it's it's only because of that that I would upgrade right now. Currently, I have C200s if I need them um, for kind of long form stuff. I, I do have the R with the um, um, the Ninja 5, the Atomos. And, and so I can do stuff with that. And I'm, you know, the 5D4 with the, with the C-Log is no slouch. So, and, and the EOS R and Canon 5D4 both take excellent photos. And so I'm happy with the results I'm getting. Yeah, it's hard because you want to, I'd love to sell the 5D4 before it's worth like $300, you know, get (laughs) some of my money back on it. And it's a good, it's a good camera, but nothing about my current gear is stopping me from doing anything. Right. You know? And so I think that's the hard part is it's, it's a new shiny toy and we turn into four year old kids who have to have the latest one. And really, sometimes it's our own either laziness or lack of motivation or sometimes just jealousy of looking at other people that makes us want other things. Having an R5 wouldn't make me go out and shoot more. No. You know. Maybe maybe for the first week or something. Yeah, exactly. It's that like, oh, I got it. Let's go out and do everything. Like, I got a new drone and... I've put it up in the sky every day since I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> I did that with my Mavic Mini too. I took it everywhere, and then and then I crashed it into a tree in Pennsylvania. And <laughs> after that, I'm like, I don't want to crash it again, man. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep it down. No, you got to put that. You, you gotta you gotta risk it for the biscuit, dude. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I I, I think I, I'm I'm a bit the same way. I, my current equipment is not hindering me from doing what I need to do. I, I would definitely like to have an R5 for the higher megapixel for like product photography, not because I need it, but what would help is I could take one image and I would have a lot more flexibility with like cropping and stuff. And I could make oh, yeah. more images out of the same one without losing quality. Same thing with video, you know, the full frame 4k is, is a big deal for me. Cause I would like to, sometimes be able to utilize my 16 millimeter lens in 4k and not have it, you know, actually be a 25 millimeter or whatever. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same way when I, when I use right. my 16 millimeter in 4k on my USR. But there, there's sometimes where that comes in handy too. It's like having an extra long lens. Oh yeah. My, 70, carrying a lens. my 70 to 200 becomes a, a, a super zoom at that point. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the R5 kind of in a nutshell. I'm sure it'll come up again in the future when I get one. 
Yeah. Because yeah. it will happen. It will happen. Uh, <laughs> it will. I, I do. I would definitely use it. I don't think my gear is hindering me at this point, which is why I haven't rushed out and got one. But as I as things start to tick up again after, you know, we start to get COVID under control or, or vaccine or whatever happens, um, there the will be... Or the election, so yeah. there, there will be. Um, we're not getting political on this on this podcast. <laughs> um, there, there will be things where it really, really comes in handy for, and will help kind of push me to get better content. So yeah. that it will be something I get eventually. Speaking of a tool that can help you push yourself and get better content, Ooh. I wanted to chat about this the uh, C seventy that Canon just announced as well. Speaking of cinema cameras. Oh yeah. I, I love it. So that, so that one, I mean, super top level, quick overview. It doesn't do raw. Um, no. I think, and I, and I, I read an article about this, about this why is the EOS R of cinema cameras, dude. Right. We're right. Well, yeah, in a way, except it's not underwhelming on the, on the spec side. No, but it's, so, so there's certain things missing that you know that the bigger boys are going to have. Right. So I, I think, and I, I read an article, the reason why they didn't include RAW or a potential for it is because of the way it does dual ISO. Not It doesn't have a dual ISO like in the normal sense where... So like in, in like a Sony camera or even this, I think the C500 or the C300 has this where you get to a certain ISO, like let's say it's ISO 16,000 and then dual ISO kicks in after that. So essentially you're going to get a good amount of grain at 16,000, but then you go to mm. like 20,000 and you actually get less noise than you did at 16 because it's the dual system. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's uh, I'm on, I'm on BNH's website, so I don't want you to think I've memorized it, but it's, it's what they're calling <laughs> dual gain output, dual gain output. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. So, yeah. So what I read about how it works is essentially it is, is taking two images at the same time. So one, it utilizes or, or it favors saturation and to not have any noise in the shadows. So it almost looks like if you were to just visualize the image, it would be underexposed and it would be really contrasty. So you get a lot of saturation and a lot of inky blacks, right? And then the second image that it's capturing at the same time uh, actually tries to get all the detail in the shadows. And then in real time, in, you know, C-Log3 or whatever, yeah. it's actually putting those two dual captured images on top of each other, almost like uh, in real time HDR type thing with two images. Yeah, and that's th how they're getting 16 stops of dynamic range out of that thing. Well, the, the thing says here that it basically it, it maintains low, low noise levels by reading out each pixel with different gains. And... Uh, and then makes it all into one one image there, which is pretty pretty fantastic. If that's yeah. the future of of how these cinema cameras are going to work, I'm excited. We use the C200s obviously for our broadcast here here at the the church, and so that's what we have them for. And so for us, the having SDI out is pretty important. That does, that's not on this. And honestly, cinema cameras are overkill for broadcast, but. Uh, if you look at our stream, it looks real nice. Um, mm -hmm. so, can confirm. <laughs> can confirm, yeah. So, you know, for me, it just gets me excited about a couple of things. One, that new technology is only going to get better. Um, this will be kind of what, what seems like the beta test for that. 
but not um but it's the first cinema camera with the RF lenses and and I've only had experience with one of the RF lenses. I know you rented the 85 at one oh, yeah. point in time. I've only used the 50. Um, and I have a friend who has the 28 to 70, which is, Ooh. I still think it's such a weird range, but at F2, I kind of want it. Um, yeah. <laughs> if only I could win the lottery, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited about what that means for the future of, of the, of the cinema camera line, because part of me was thinking like, oh, well, you know, if there was ever a situation where I wasn't working at a place that had two C200s that I could use at all time, what would I use for the long form stuff that I do? And would it make sense to start trading in all my EF lenses for RF stuff if I still wanted to have a cinema camera in the lineup? And so this kind of answers that question too. Like, it's time to it's time to go RF, right? And and you can still adapt with this one. You can still adapt EF lenses. It uses that same. RF oh, of course, EF yeah, yeah, yeah. But so if the, if you know that both your your stills camera and your your photo camera, if you have two, if you're if you're blessed enough to have two, if you know mm-hmm. they both use RF mounts, then you can safely move into the RF lens oh. world without oh, yeah. without hesitation. Yeah, no need to hold back. And I I don't foresee them putting a lot of time and energy in the EF lenses anymore since mirrorless I wouldn't expect any more updates would you No I, I don't think so The last the, the one other, would have been that 70 70 to 200 uh, Mark 3 Yeah probably Yeah Yeah I don't know for sure somebody else can look that up for us Okay uh, well switching <laughs> switching away from gear yeah. nerd stuff Yep um uh this is something that I thought of today to talk about which was do you have a a movie that you watch that was just so beautiful that you're like, I want to make films, like I want to make, I want to tell stories through through video. You mean any movie at all, or maybe something that started me on video? Um, no, a, any movie in particular. I I can remember for me, I was I was uh, I was going to school for it, and we were using it was all back. I mean, back in the early two thousands before digital that you still used tapes even though it was kind of a digital writing the tape type of situation but we started off being just camera men in different events around our college so we would film like the chapel or the the musical that year or um there was like a coach's show and they talk about basketball and you'd man a camera even though it never moved you held on to it so it didn't fall over and and then you'd get upgraded if you were good at that you could go into directing or you could you could do other stuff and so i remember there was a guy who was kind of uh, an upperclassman in my college and, and, uh, he made really cool little films for this company he had. And so I, I became friends with him just because I wanted to learn from him. And he was a cool guy. Not that I, not that I only became friends with him to, to get stuff out of him, but, um, we ended up watching a bunch of movies and he would sh- tell me how things were made. And, and it really got me investigating how, how different movies, how different shots are achieved. And there's this shot in road to perdition where I believe it's on a track and it's pulling out like physically the camera's moving away from the subject, but it's zooming in at the same time. And, and I had never seen anything more beautiful in my life. And when it was pointed out how that was happening, I just remember going, I just, I want to tell stories with video. Like 
how cool is that shot? And and I just, I mean, we rewound it like five times. And it might be the reverse of that. It might be zooming in. It might be dollying in while zooming out. I just remember. Yeah, you can do it both ways. Yeah, I remember that shot going, I want to tell stories with video. So that's that's mine, Road to Perdition, which uh, I have only seen, I think, twice. But that, that scene on the railroad tracks where they, they do that little effect, which is commonly used now. But at the time, I don't remember seeing it in a lot of other places. Right. Um, 2003, I think it was. 2002, maybe. I just remember watching that scene over and over and over and going, oh, that is the coolest. Awesome. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't actually seen that, so I'll have to check that out. Maybe I can find that scene on the YouTube. Yeah, it's it's a great movie, uh, Tom Hanks, and it's a, it's a period piece about 20s gangsters. And there's, right. uh, you know, they've all got those, like, Dick Tracy-like guns and stuff. <laughs> yeah. The Tommy guns. Yeah. The Tommy guns. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Um, nice. and it's beautifully shot. It's the same guy who did, uh, American beauty. So mm-hmm. like just very intentionally shot stuff and, and, um, very artful and, uh, beautifully shot stuff. Well, uh, man, that's a pretty good question. I, I was thinking about it. I can't really pinpoint any particular movie that really sparked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that might be because I started off into photography. Yeah. And so I, I would see photos and that's really what sparked my interest in like creating and, and making imagery. I think what hit me for or the reason I was drawn to video was that you can tell more of a story with it. You can tell a story with photography, you know, and a lot of people do and a lot of people do really well. But they, they're still just single frames. And I think something about capturing actual fluid moments is really what interested me. So instead of just getting that one quick snapshot where you really, you can, you can analyze it. And th- that's kind of the fun part of photography. You can analyze it. You can, you can make your own story based on what's happening in that image. Mm-hmm. But I think with video, um, you really get to guide the person watching and you really get to kind of control where it's going. It's hard to interpret, unless unless your film is really obscure, it's hard to interpret, you know, dialogue or a scene or what's happening in a thousand different ways like you can a photo. So I think that yeah. that's kind of what appealed to me about it is that I could directly convey exactly what I wanted to in video. And that could just be me. I, I could just feel that way. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of photographers and I've seen a lot of photos that are just fantastic and you know yeah. the feeling just by looking at it. But Oh yeah. Well, and now th- that kind of stuff is a choice, right? In, in video to yeah. leave it ambiguous. For example, you know, at the end of breaking bad, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, uh, yeah, you don't know the fate of Walter White really. Now there's speculation. And then, uh, did you watch the Sopranos? I did not. Oh, the Sopranos famously has an ambiguous uh, ending where um, right before something happens, the screen goes black and you hear a gunshot and you don't know what happened. Oh, and yeah. and you're left to assume. And the and David Chase, who who's uh, I think the showrunner for for the Sopranos, wanted it that way. He wanted it to be. Uh, something that at the water cooler you were debating, like, did he live? Did he die? Did someone save nice. him? Did, you know, that type of stuff. So that amb- ambiguity is a choice in video, whereas in photo, it, it can be there regardless. I mean, there's, there's, right. there's obviously photos that are, that are clear and, and uh, without interpretation, but a lot of times yeah. you can interpret 
different things based on photos. Sure. So. And that, you know, that is, that is, like I said, part of the fun of it, but yeah, I, I just like being able to tell a story through video. And as my wife um, puts it, I, she always tells me that she thinks I'm better at video than photography, which at first you can be like, oh gosh, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Should I not do photos anymore? But it's meant as a compliment that I, I, you know, can tell a story better with um, video than I can with photo. So that might be true, but I, every time I'm with you and I see you shooting photos, I just think about, oh, Aaron took that shot in three seconds. I would have had to line it up, adjust settings for ten minutes, and then got that <laughs> shot. Just fix it in post, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was, I I sent you that, I sent you those photos I took of Brian Goodall the other day, Uh, a friend, a friend of ours, Brian Goodall, who runs a a group called City Psalms here in Tucson, which is, is a cool uh, ministry, but he wanted some headshots for some stuff he was doing and he didn't have anything. And he asked if he could come by the church and I would take some headshots for him. And so I remember as I was setting up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take like, I don't know, five to 10 tests uh, as I like figure out exactly how I want these lights and stuff. And uh, after it, I'm like, all right, we're ready to do the real ones. He goes, none of those were the real ones. And I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not Aaron. I, I, I don't have all the settings <laughs> memorized. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring this out. And <laughs> which uh, totally discredits me as a photographer, but that's okay. I, no, no. I'm 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 video first, and photography. I I will say uh, when we, we talk about the work we do, I've never taken a, a wedding in photography. Um, I don't know how you do it. The stress and the anxiety it would give me um, would shorten my life. <laughs> I have enjoyed the many times that you have asked me to be your second shooter because I, I I can tell myself at the end of the day, Aaron has to fix all this stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I think. But I'm just thinking Aaron's going to deliver this and Aaron's such a meticulous and skilled editor that all these are going to turn out great. Uh, for me, I, I would just be, oh, did I miss the moment? Did I miss this? Did I miss <laughs> this? Did I? And, and that kind of... What if would just, I mean, I wouldn't sleep for them until I delivered and they said they were happy. Like that's that, (laughs) that's the kind of stress. And I don't have that anxiety in any other place in my life. So I feel like for me, wedding photography is not, not a thing that's going to happen. Well, it's funny because that's the only place in my life I don't have anxiety. Oh, really? (laughs) No, I'm just just kidding. No, I've actually, I've heard a lot of people talk about this and um, I I don't want to say I have anxiety about it. I just enjoy shooting, uh, you know, in the moment. I, I think I've been very fortunate to work with some really awesome clients and couples as well. So that definitely helps. Um, that's why I'm super um, adamant about meeting people ahead of time. Like, you know, they could like my pricing, they could like my my style, what I offer. But I always want to meet with them and make sure we have that rapport. Because if if you don't like somebody as a person, you're not going to like working for them either. Not to say you have to be best friends or anything, but you know, I think they go hand in hand a bit. Yeah, I I feel the same way uh, when I do stuff like like DJ for for weddings. Like, oh yeah, I've had some wedding planners tell me that they don't know anyone who meets with their the couples as much as I do, and it's really mm-hmm. because it's there's no trick to DJing a wedding. If you don't want the guy on the the wiki wiki sticks, you know, like. You know, then I'm your guy. If you want that, I'm definitely yeah. not your guy. I'm not the DJ that's going to go out and, and stop the dance floor and do Thriller with you. 
Um, Because uh, if I've done my job, you don't notice me. Uh, (laughs) There are other DJs that I know, and I could name them, that that want to be a part of your special day. I do not. I want to I want to assist in you having the best day. That's it. And so yeah, they, they want to be the show instead of. Oh, yeah. The show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And so I, think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's like uh, I meet with them and and I could and I tell them things like, hey, just why don't we set a playlist? Like, let's set a playlist of songs you love. And then, why don't you just tell me songs that you absolutely do not want to hear the day of? And then give my email address to your wedding party. Because the truth is, if the wedding party's dancing, everyone's having a good time. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's not a secret. There's no secret formula. I could sit there and guess um, from every popular genre. But why would you make me guess when you could just tell me what you like to hear and I could bring my equipment and make it loud and fun and you could dance and like, you know, this one one wedding I, I did... This guy really liked Psy. You know, I learned it from my daddy. And he <laughs> stopped the dance floor, this groom, and and did he knew the dance. This groom stopped the dance floor and everyone was cheering as he did the dance, you know. And it was awesome. <laughs> I think we should definitely not mention who it was, just to give a little treat for those that are listening that know who it was. Yeah, that's good. He sounds like a really awesome guy though. Yeah, yeah, real, <laughs> real good guy. I should I should talk to him soon. Oh um, man, that's funny. For me, I get stressed out about that even after having five meetings or you know a couple meetings with a couple. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to hit play a song and I'll be like, "Gosh, I hope they don't hate this." <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not the chicken dance, you should be okay. Yeah, yeah, and there's always, uh, you know, for photography, there's the Uncle Bob with the iPad in your shot, taking your <sighs> taking the photo in your way. There, there's the DJ form of that, which is the the Uncle Bob who's like, um, the music you're playing sucks, and then I'd go, the music I'm playing was chosen specifically by the bride and groom, and then he'll be like. Well, they don't know what they're doing. I'm like, well, it's their day. So um, we're going to go ahead and let them choose. That sounds like Aunt Karen, not Uncle Bob. At your memorial, we can play whatever you like. Oh, man. Oh, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) So we need to go to to break. Let's take a two-minute break. Yeah, let's take a break. And when we come back, final thoughts on one thing, and then uh, we'll close it up. So we're back from break. We're back. And uh, final uh, topic. It's nothing controversial or anything, but figured uh, we could just talk about what some projects we're currently working on and then maybe some stuff coming up we're excited about as well. Um, so what are you what are you currently working on? Um, currently, I am working on... I did both audio and video for um, a local school's choir. So... Um, sixth grade all the way through 12th grade. So they have a sixth grade choir, a middle school choir, which is seventh and eighth grade, a women's choir, a men's choir, and then an ensemble, which is the best of the men's and women's choir from high school. Because of Corona and COVID and everything that's going on, um, they were allowed to record uh, voices in the gym, six feet apart in every direction, but with their masks still on. 
And so mm-hmm. it was hard because you, you, you've been at a store or something where someone says something with a mask on and you're like, come again. What did you say? <laughs> and you, I, I, we, none of us realized how much uh, lip reading was a part of our world until everyone's wearing a mask. So I had to record them all with masks. And then because that wouldn't be fun to look at for the concert, for this virtual concert they're going to have on Facebook and YouTube, we then took them outside under this tent that they've put out there and six feet apart outdoors, they lip synced to the the song that we had recorded just days <laughs> earlier. And so I, it might it might come out horrible. It might come out great. But we've recorded it all. And now I have to go through the work of first mixing the audio. I, I've done most of that. And, and I just have a couple of edits after I've sent it to the director. He wants a couple adjustments made. And then we're going to Friday film his introductions. And so his speaking parts. And then I'll I'll get an opportunity to put it all together as as a single concert. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. I've never done anything like it before, but I think if there's anything good that has come out of this time, this 2020, this quarantine, this thing is that, um, the arts have, have found a way to get more creative about the way they deliver content. So that, that has been fun to be a part of both here in my everyday job, but also as I see young people and arts and and the first semester, a lot of that stuff was just canceled. And so these yeah. kids being able to still make music and sing and for their parents to be able to hear it and enjoy it, uh, it's important. So right. I, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that. Awesome. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. How about you? What's what's going on in, in Aaron's world? Well, so, man, I mean, I, I'm doing stuff for work. Um, personally, a couple of things. I mean, I have my my YouTube channel that I, you know, post videos on. And yeah, uh, I've got a lot of things going on. So this podcast, for one, which I'm super excited about. But uh, we actually, you and I have collaborated on a bunch of videos, which we already recorded. We're, we're done with them. But uh, we did a bunch of new drum covers. Oh, yeah. And uh, we did fancy setup. Thanks to Dan. He ran all the audio and, and is engineering all that stuff. So it's really good audio. And I, I did a slew of drum covers on YouTube, like 2010 to 2011-ish. Mostly shirtless, if I remember correctly. <laughs> one one of them was shirtless. Pre-dad bod. It was right, all shirtless. Yeah, yeah I, still, I still had shoulders back then. Um, yeah, So and they were all, I think, man, most of those, I was using the rock band microphones because they had an eighth inch plug on the end that I could plug into my like Dell computer and <laughs> recorded them into audacity. And then I just messed with the EQ enough to try and like level stuff out. And you know, to my credit, it wasn't the worst sounding thing. It was better no, than just it, an on camera. It didn't sound horrible. I remember the first kind of legit one you did was, uh, you did, uh, Taylor Swift's shake it off and you had mic yes. record. Yeah, Mike did that tracks, one. Yeah. Yep. That one was nice. That was actually the first video I ever shot on a DSLR. Oh, really? Yep. I had my 6D and I recorded on that. You could not tell that it was on a DSLR. There was no depth of field. It was at a weird angle. The lighting was just the overhead fluorescent. May as well have been an iPhone, but yeah, but um, it, had yeah, a it was the first video. A little more detail than the, the iPhones of that time. Yep. So yeah, a little little side fact there. But yeah, so I, I YouTube videos, I'm working on those drum drum covers. That's um, awesome. And we're just kind of rolling those out as as we get to them. And then um, I did the, the ProBlends video, which was a lot of fun. I've been wanting to use that ProBlends for a long time. 
And then I, I did that coffee one the other day where I just, I, I wanted to film something and it's just one of those things I do every day. And I kind of wanted a, a little bit of a challenge of capturing each piece of it and just making a short silent film out of it. In essence, um, I did some sound in there, some sound design. A lot of it I actually captured in camera, uh, but I did capture some with my this handy H4 recorder the day after. But yeah, I just wanted to make a short film. Just wanted to do it. And I was kind of inspired by a Becky and Chris video where Becky like silently organized her closet, her uh, gear shelves or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. So I kind of took some inspiration from that. Speaking of, did did uh, you or your wife uh, get caught up in this new Netflix show um, where they come and like organize your closet and stuff? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I, why can't I think of her name right now? The, the, uh, the Home Edit. Home Edit. Oh, it's, no, that's it's a different not, one. It's not Marie Kondo. It's, it's oh, not, Marie Kondo. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. It's not her. It's not the does this bring you joy. Uh, these people have OCD of just the most extreme kind I've ever seen. And they'll come into your place. They organize your closet by color of shirts. By And, and then they, her handwriting okay. is so good, she's turned it into a font. And right. they... So, so for every episode, they organize a celebrity's something, and they organize like some poor persons, like us, some stuff. So right. they're like, "Oh, well, here's Reese Witherspoon's memorabilia from all the shows and movies she's been on, <laughs> and then also this is, uh, you know, the Johnsons from Minnesota. They they have a hard time <laughs> with their closet. You know, there's clothes <laughs> everywhere. So uh, yeah, and appeals then, to the masses. So then Mary has gone to the Container Store. My wife Mary. I think four or five times and they've been out of oh, all man. the stuff that they recommend from the show and you watch it and you're like man the the OCD part of me and uh, by the way I think I'm I'm making a mistake by saying that because it's a real disorder and to say like oh I have OCD I like things orderly you're particular um, I'm particular and and I don't want to do any of the organizing but I appreciate when it's done um, <laughs> so maybe that just makes me a jerk uh <laughs> You just need the, them to come uh, home edit to come to your uh, home yeah, office. Yeah, if, if they did, I could maintain it because they create systems. And oh, so yeah. anyway, watch an episode. You'll be hooked because you like things organized and stuff and you like order. I, you know, I do. My, um, again, my wife would uh, thoroughly disagree with you. Really? Everything that's my stuff is usually a mess. So here, because here's it's my in thing. Use, because it's in use. Because it's in use, but also I'm a binge and purger is what I say. So I use things, things get messy. And then I get to a point where I'm like, man, this is a mess. I got to clean this up. So I will go week, couple weeks without cleaning anything, not dishes. I do that every day. And then I will like my desk, it'll get messy and then I'll purge and it'll be spotless. And then it'll be like that. It'll slowly build up and then I'll clean it again after a couple of weeks. So yeah. that's how I operate. Yeah. I, I think I operate the same way. And and honestly, if I had better systems, it'd be great. When I had a bigger office, I had better systems. Yeah. Um, I share an office now and so I, I have limited space. And so sometimes mm. things leak over and, and spill out and stuff like that. But anyway. Just do the Dwight thing with the ruler. and <laughs> Oh, yeah, the gym thing. It's it, Jim yeah. who does that, the line of demarcation. Yeah, if, if you get a chance, watch it because it's pleasing to the eye. They do organize by color, by type, and um, they do um, – is it Retta is her name from um, Parks and Rec? They do her like oh, yeah, yeah. chill room 
And Donna. Yeah, they do all her stuff. They do um, Chloe Kardashian's backstock. They do uh, Neil Patrick Harris and his husband's um, other kids' playland. And the way they organize it by like specific area, and the kids walk in and they yeah. instantly know this area is for climbing, this area is for creating, this area is for relaxing. And anyway. It's it's fantastic. It's also contributing to frustration because my wow. wife can't find any of the containers. She thinks she's going to organize, but she does not know that she is a hoarder. And and <laughs> so I, at some point I should let her know, but she doesn't know yet. Oh, man. Well, that, she, she might if she listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one thing. One thing with uh, my wife is she is an anti-hoarder. Yeah. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways that's good. I, I was never a hoarder, but I think I was... I was a uh, medium, so I didn't hoard, but I also didn't get rid of things. Yeah. I, I would occasionally, but not, not really. So we, we, we have a pretty minimalist home. I, I wouldn't say we have anything in excess. Um, we're, we're pretty, you know, strategic, especially cause we, we don't have the biggest of houses. We bought this when we were just first married and now we have, didn't you, you know, close on it the day of your wedding? No, it was, uh, so we got married the 16th and we actually closed the 23rd of December. Oh wow. So it was a week. We got this house and moved in same day. Pretty crazy. We, we were all moved in and basically unpacked because of the small amount of stuff we have by the next day. So wow, that's a nice part. If you know somebody who's a minim- minimalist and they ask you to help them move, do it. It'll be the easiest move you ever help with. Yeah, I've got a truck, man. I get asked to help people move more often than than you'd think. <laughs> I won't. I won't ask you next time we do it. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, if you made it this far, kudos to you because we did go off on some tangents. Uh, we promise we'll 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 put a timer on these and start getting it down to a, a tight time rather than uh, going off the rails. But we appreciate you. Unless you really enjoy it, then we'll keep it going. Yeah. But let us know on our Instagram, on our Twitter, what you want to hear and uh, what you want us to talk about. And uh, we're always willing to accept fan questions. Right, Aaron? That seems yeah, like definitely. A, that seems like something we should definitely put out there. 100%. And then uh, to find us, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok, by the way. I don't think I mentioned oh, that to you. Oh, wow. At the AV Room Pod. So T-H-E-A-V-R-O-O-M-P-O-D. Also, if you want to email us, we are theavroompod at gmail.com. So you can always send us questions there as well. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, love to. But uh, until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And uh, we'll catch you on the next edition of The AV Room. That's right. See ya. See ya.